All right, guys, we want to bring up another sponsor of ours. It is Kelsey Picker Realtor with Keller Williams Coastal Area Partners. And if you need to buy or sell property anywhere in the United States, go to kelseypicker.kw.com. And her information will be at the bottom of that page or reach out to us at any of our social media pages or our email. And we will be happy to put you in touch. <laughs> Who's that coming down the track? Who's that coming down the track? It's a mean machine in red and black. It's a mean machine in red and black. Ain't nothing butter in the land. Ain't nothing butter in the land. And a drunk of noxious Georgia band. And a drunk of noxious Georgia band. Go no! What's up, y'all? This is John, and I have Caleb Tillman joining me on this episode of the Nothing Finer podcast. Before we get into the subject of the show tonight, Caleb, go ahead and tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. All right, will do. I am Caleb Tillman. Um, Approximately zero of you out there will know me by that name, unless you just happen to be part of our group chat. Uh, But you may know a little Instagram account I have made called Dog Sports Memes, used to be known as UGA FB Memes. Um, or you don't know the name at all, but maybe you've seen some of the memes out there. It's just a UGA fan account that specializes in posting funny, stupid little memes and speech to text videos claiming Kirby smart runs the account, things like that. (laughs) Uh, but other than that, I'm just a Georgia fan. Uh, not a guru or an insider because fun fact, gurus and insiders are just fans who think that they're better than you. And typically very rich. Yes. Obviously have lots of money and no issues there. Um, so I'm excited to get on this show and provide some facts because from what I understand, those don't happen here. Um, Absolutely According not. to a guy who I share an alma mater with. Fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, high school or college? College, yeah. Uh, oh, okay. I wasn't smart enough to get into the big Georgia school, so I went to the small one that he went to. <laughs> hey, Thrillageville is known for some good parties. Oh, yeah. you're not You're not wrong. There were... There are plenty of them there, (laughs) including some that got some fraternities kicked off campus, but that's a story for a different day. All right, guys. So we are going to kick things off talking a little bit of Super Bowl um, because that was just yesterday. And there are, I mean, there's a couple storylines to talk about, not not a whole lot. Um, And then we're moving into... All of that conference realignment stuff that uh, Wes and I had been teasing for pretty much since day one. Yeah. I mean, and you know, you, you got to do it eventually, and there's so much to talk about, and it makes everybody angry for different reasons. So I'm looking forward to not making anyone upset with our opinions whatsoever. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No one's going to be upset. Absolutely of not. Of course. Um, But... Before we get started, what are you drinking tonight? Yeah, so uh, I went a little boring. Had a little head cold last week, so if it sounds a little bit like I'm going through puberty, I'm still a little hoarse, uh, so <laughs> I've just got some throat-soothing tea coming in. Uh, not my bourbon tonight, just some throat-soothing tea. I Hey, that was me for about two months there after that Tennessee game. Oh. <laughs> so I understand I have a uh, Larceny Barrel Proof tonight, batch B521. It's coming in real low at 121 proof tonight. So, uh, 
yeah, this was one of those days I walked up to the bar and I was like, all right, I want to drink something wheat based. Um, what has the most in the bottle? Yeah. <laughs> I just picked it up. Sounds about right. All right. So we're going to go ahead and get into, wait, hold up. I, I drop, I, uh, I dropped the lead a little bit. Shout out the softball team for the University of Georgia. Oh, yeah. They started the season, what, 5-0, and kicking it off in Orlando? 5-0. and And just killing people. I don't remember how many of them were mercy-ruled, but wow. <laughs> so they started off the weekend in Orlando. They were playing the UCF Black and Gold Tournament. They beat number 18 UCF 4-2. to Then they beat an Ohio State University 11-4. <laughs> Always handing them some L's. And then they rattled off three run rule five inning victories in a row to get to five and zero on the season with one ranked win. I think they started the season at I got it here. I'll tell you right now. They started the season at fifteen. Um, I expect that to go up after that performance over the weekend, and. Starting this Friday, for those of you in Athens, it is the Red and Black Showcase. They're playing Stanford, St. John's, both of those twice, Charlotte and Clemson between Friday and Tuesday of next week. And Stanford is ranked number 17 in the country right now. So if they get a couple victories over them, they will definitely be going up in the rankings. Oh, yeah. I don't know if softball uh, pollsters are as reactionary as football pollsters, but they may <laughs> be in the top 10 before then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, with three back-to-back run rule victories over fairly – I mean, it was UMass and Boise State twice, mm-hmm. but they won the entire tournament in Orlando with a run rule in the last game. That's like, impressive. That's dominant. Yeah. Yes, in and of itself. You beat a team that made it all the way there by mercy rule in five innings. I don't care who the opponent is. That is impressive. Yeah, that's averaging over two runs an inning to run rule somebody in five. Yeah, unbelievable. That's minimum, too. That's not counting if the other team scores any runs whatsoever. Yeah, no, I mean, phenomenal performance by the softball team through the weekend and – We'll definitely be following them throughout the season, but as someone who knows very little about softball, other than how it relates to baseball, I don't have any insight. Yeah. Um, But we will follow them because we support all Georgia sports on this show. Shout out also Uh, to the College Hockey South hockey team. Yes. Georgia Bulldogs hockey. Man, I so when we lived in Athens, I tried to go to a game, and I was on call for work that weekend, uh, and we were, like, pulling in the parking lot, and I got a call and ended up not being able to go. No. And I think they beat the Alabama team, like, 5-1 to one that night, too, so it would have been a good one to go to. I was, fine. I, was, I was upset. That is a shame. All right, a little bit of Super Bowl talk. So, can someone please explain to me how Patrick Mahomes won MVP with, like, 140 yards passing? (laughs) 
other than he was a quarterback on the winning team. Yeah. And he's, he's Patrick Mahomes. I think people liked the story of, Oh, his ankle hurt and he come back and do things. But did anyone drug test him after the game? Excellent question. (laughs) I don't know. I I think uh, probably better off drug testing some of the officials at the game. If we're being perfectly honest. So, and that that's very controversial. I mean, even even the corner, and for those of you that may not have watched the game, that holding call to essentially hand Kansas City the victory. Um, I mean, even the cornerback said, I was holding, but they hadn't called it all game, so I thought I was going to get away with it. Yeah, and that's it's one of those things where you kind of have to decide and use a little bit of judgment and prudence. Like if I'm a referee in them, and I've, I've – Full disclosure, I have never refereed anything in my entire life, so I'm not an officiating expert coming on here. But from what I understand, a little bit of discretion in these big moments goes a long way. Like, I get, okay, he had a hold of the guy a little bit. That seemed incidental to the contact you make when you're trying to stop a guy off the line, just watching the replay. I feel like a little discretion there to understand that's what's happening and not give the game away on it. And the little bit of hold that happened did not account for the ball being overthrown by 10 yards. Yeah. I think you call it holding there because you can't call interference because it's uncatchable at that point. Hey, yeah. I There was a lot of, like, for example, how Kadarius Tony with that punt return did not get MVP or Travis Kelsey being 90% of the offense did not yes. get MVP. That's a like, shame. I, Just – just because Patrick Mahomes has the bigger name. Like Travis Kelsey, he, I'm not going to say he's not respected. He's obviously one of the most respected tight ends in the game right now. But for him to essentially carry the game, especially from the tight end position, which is, is growing, but it's not, you know, your number one position on the offense. I don't understand why you don't give it to him. I, or even at Nick Bolton. Yeah. How he didn't get MVP with scoring as many touchdowns as anyone else on the offense was responsible for. Yeah. I, you know, I'll, there's some things I'll never understand, but how just because you're the quarterback, I mean, go back to when the Ravens won the Super Bowl in the New Orleans blackout with, um, oh, what's that guy's name? The guy, he was the kick return specialist and wide receiver. He had a 109-yard kickoff return in the Super Bowl. What was his name? Great question, because I remember the kickoff return. I remember going crazy during the kickoff return, because I love a good kickoff return, and you never see him in the Super Bowl. Uh, Don't remember Jacoby Jones. Yes, Jacoby. He was more of the offense than Travis Kelsey was last night in that Mm -hmm. game, and they gave Super Bowl MVP to Joe Flacco. Yeah, because he's – the quarterback, which just call it quarterback. Just call it quarterback yeah. on the winning team. If that's yeah. what it is, just call it that. Yeah, give it, give it the name. Call it the the Peyton Manning quarterback of the team award, or more accurately, Eli Manning quarterback of the team. <laughs> Leave David Tyree down there catching balls off his helmet in the dust. If that's what you're going to do. Yeah, I, and I mean, for Jalen Hurts to put up the performance he did. And that game come down to offensive play calling in the red zone in the fourth quarter. 
and the defense not stopping anything late in that game Mm -hmm. is depressing. It is. So I'm trying to pull the stats up here, but Jalen Hurts had one of the best performances you will ever see from a second-year quarterback in the biggest game of his life. I just found the stats here. He went 27 to 38 for 304 yards, one passing touchdown. He also led the team in rushing yards with 15 Mm -hmm. carries of 70 yards and three touchdowns on the ground and a two-point conversion. Yep. Jalen Hurts should have gotten MVP even though he lost. Yes. I was literally about to say the only difference there is that he outperformed Patrick Mahomes but did not win the game. And it was, like I said, that was play calling in the red zone. You hadn't been able to run the ball all night, and then you're going to hand it to running back three times in the red zone. I don't – I'll never understand that. Yeah, that's a Mike Bobo play calling right there. I don't get it. (laughs) Hey, we Uh, are not Mike Bobo haters. (laughs) Yeah, okay. No more Mike Bobo slander on this podcast. Understood. Um, I went over the stats. When he had talent, he was good. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that's a fair point they uh one thing i wanted to point out as well when i saw it last night watching the replays of that game-winning field goal i don't know if you noticed how hard they were double teaming jordan davis oh, on yeah. that field goal he was gonna get th- he was ready to get through he was ready to eat somebody's lunch and well he, they did the he smart even thing. partially <laughs> got through and he was triple teamed yeah, that's true yeah. Like the Once entire left side of that field goal line went to Jordan Davis and he still got an arm and shoulder through. Yeah. It's a bad dude. I don't know how long it's going to take, but he will be on the Pro Bowl every year for a long time once they really let him take off. He is a more athletic Vince Wilfork. Yes. That is a great comp. And just that one. It wasn't a sack, but the hit he had on Patrick Mahomes. When Patrick Mahomes hit the ground and Jordan Davis landed on him, it almost looked like a Looney Tunes and his eyes went, whoop. Yes. Because that was that was 340 pounds of man falling on you when you're already hurt. Yep. Somebody get the spatula and scrape this kid off the field. <laughs> yeah. No, I I definitely think the Eagles especially if if uh, Jason Kelsey comes back, I think they are better set to be good next year versus the Chiefs. Yes. And I say that because the Chiefs, when, when they traded all of that talent away and they signed a lot of young guys, there's no way their offensive coordinator stays in Kansas City for much longer. And if he leaves, and Andy Reid's talking about retiring, the AFC West is going to be wide open, especially after uh, Oakland or Vegas trades half of their roster for uh, Aaron Rodgers. Right. (laughs) It's happening, y'all. Hey, as a Green Bay fan, I want four first-round picks over the next two seasons and a couple second-rounders. Oh, yeah. Plus, you know, you'll get to see Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams again if they don't trade him away. So, uh, no, they'll they will be the best quarterback wide receiver duo on a, I don't know, nine and eight team. <laughs> You're right. Well, you know, Oakland already had some of the best running backs for a 
whatever they were. To, I keep calling them Oakland. I have still not gotten used to Vegas. I haven't either. I haven't either. That stadium is awesome, though. When we flew into yeah. Vegas a couple years ago and saw it from the outside, and it's just like a black gemstone in the desert because mm. it's so shiny and the glass is black all over it. It was awesome. Wow. Yeah. Never been to Vegas. Need to check that out. Oh, we went for quite literally 12 hours because Spirit <laughs> had, I think it was $40 a person round trip if you left Atlanta at 11 a.m. and left Vegas at midnight. Uh, you can't beat it. <laughs> yeah, because we, we landed in Vegas at like 11 in the morning because with the travel, like we lost no time in the day. Yeah. So we landed in Vegas at like 11 in the morning, went and did shit all day long. And then got back to the airport right at like 11 o'clock again and then flew out. Yeah, that's definitely one of those things where you're like, well, I wasn't planning on going to Vegas, but shoot. <laughs> that was that was quite literally my, one of my friends called me. He goes, you want to go to Vegas the first weekend in May? I was like, yes, but why? And he's like, <laughs> Spirit Airlines has $40 a person round trip tickets. If you leave and come back in the same day, it's 12 hours in Vegas. I was like. Guess I'm going to Vegas in May. Yeah. It's not Do not recommend of... Spirit Airlines, though. Oh, no. I, uh... well, I could talk all it day was... about that airlines, but Spirit is. <laughs> so I don't remember. I think it was 2021, but they hadn't lifted the mask rule on planes yet. So I just spent 12 hours in Vegas, and I got back on the plane to come home. And passed out before we even got off. Like, I, we hadn't even left the jetway yet, and I was out. And the flight attendant would reach over the other two people and tap me on the shoulder, and she would be like, put your mask over your nose. Yes. Lady, I am asleep, just like everyone else on this plane. <laughs> like, calm down. Yeah. We dealt with the same thing when we flew out to um, Colorado last year. I was like, what are y'all doing? <laughs> Flying without mask now is one of the best things ever. Yeah, I'm 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 jealous. I need to because we had a 12 hour layover over in Orlando. Couldn't leave the airport. Had to keep the mask on the whole time. I I don't miss it. (laughs) No, and Orlando is one of the most difficult airports to be in because it's just screaming kids from rich families across the country that are either upset they left Disney World or upset they're not there yet. Yeah, and not to spend too much time on the tangent, but you you are secluded in one very small area of the airport once you get through yes. TSA, and you got to take like a monorail to get anywhere else. It's a uh, miserable twelve hours. <laughs> yes, all right. Uh, I think we've uh, I think we've had a good good little tangent there, <laughs> unplanned. Yeah, uh, for those of you that don't know, we don't actually plan these tangents. Like there, I. It's not in the outline for us to spend 10 minutes talking about random shit. I promise. <laughs> yeah. People love the banter, though, don't they? People love the banter. So now we're getting to the realignment stuff. And so we're going to set a little bit of groundwork for those of you that may not follow things as closely as some other people. Um so for the foundation of why this is happening and what what the whole situation is behind it, um, Texas and Oklahoma are joining the SEC. I'm sure most people know this by now. And it was initially supposed to be for the 2025 season, 
But the Big 12 said, oh, you got some pocket change laying around. It's only going to cost $100 million for you guys to leave by 2024. And they were like, okay, cool. We're gone. Yeah. That's how much we dislike you right now. Yeah. And this move makes the SEC the largest Power 5 conference. We're having 16 total teams. And that throws the balance of the seven-team divisions off with and how the current setup is you have eight conference games six are your division opponents so georgia plays all the east teams and then two cross divisional games georgia always plays auburn with the west and then one rotating cross divisional opponent um this past season georgia went to starkville to play mississippi state the wrong dogs and um so with the news of the two additional teams starting after this upcoming football season, so they are joining, I believe it's July 1st of 2024 is the date that they're officially on, on or in the SEC, and they did that so that they could finish spring sports in the Big 12 before moving over. Um. So the conference, as of right now, has not put out a plan on what they're doing with these teams. Um, and so there's a potential for a pod system, which is smaller divisions, but more of them. The potential of no divisions and an almost free-for-all, and then keeping two divisions and moving to a nine-conference game schedule. All of those have been thrown out. Um so we're going to talk about these options and, you know, give our factless opinions, throw out some wild speculation, have some fun with it. You know, everything, everything that you do talking to your friends, we're just doing it on microphones, talking to a lot of people. Yeah. And, you know, we just got to remember, no matter what this turns out to be, there is not one solution that's going to make everyone happy. So some of us are just going to have to get over it. Well, I, I do have one solution that's going to make everybody happy, at least fan-wise, but make the actual people running things really mad, which is we boot up our PlayStation 2s to NCAA Football 06 and reset all the conferences to what they were then. <laughs> but that's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> but if that's not going to happen, then we are just kind of stuck with figuring things out. And, you know, compromise, part of life. Yeah, no one likes that. <laughs> I want to be happy with everyone else very upset. That's how it goes. <laughs> yes. My ideal world is the one where I am the only happy person in it. All right, so we're going to kick this off talking about the no division format. And this is, it was reported, I want to say in December, that this is what the SEC was leaning towards. Um, but I... I think that most fans were not happy with this solution um, because the two formats within the no division format they talked about was it pretty much pissed everybody off. Um, but so in this scenario, the two top teams with conference records wise would play in the SEC championship game. So that would be so last season, Georgia would have played Tennessee again in Atlanta instead of playing LSU in Atlanta. And and just um, a side note, regardless of what happens with this, 
I like that. I like saying two best teams. Here you go. That's just me. But <laughs> I like it and I don't like it. And I say that because selfishly, 100% selfishly, in in 2012, Georgia would not have made the SEC championship game when they were two yards from essentially winning a national championship that season. Um, and I think stuff like that could happen, but with the expanded playoff, it's not going to matter a whole lot. That's true. And that's, I yeah, just, that's the, yeah, the little thing flying under the radar is the same season. You've also got USC, UCLA moving to the Big Ten now officially. Yeah. And 12-team college football playoff starting. So just the beginning of a new era in college football. And half of the American conference is going to the Big 12. Yep. So there are a ton of moving pieces with this, I guess, 2023-2024 college football cycle that's about to happen. There, I mean, dozens of – literally dozens of moving pieces with all the different conferences. Um for example, the only group of five team to ever make the playoff is now no longer going to be a group of five team. Yep. So I mean, we have so much is going on. I'm sure we're going to talk about it a lot. But so we're going to talk about the pros and cons of each format that we talk about. And there's a lot of pros and a lot of cons. Um, so like Caleb was saying, it's it, – there's going to have to be compromises made no matter, no matter how much we hate it. And by we, I mean me. (laughs) So so for the, okay. I skipped, I skipped a line here. I lost myself. Hold on. So for the two potential scheduling formats of that, no division idea we were talking about, is doing a seven rotating opponent to one permanent opponent and then doing six rotating opponent opponents with three permanent opponents. But in that 6-3 format, it would be a nine-game conference schedule. So that is something to keep in mind. The SEC is currently at eight, and if that happens, they would go to nine, which we'll get to why that's a big deal just in a minute. For the seven seven and one method is what we're going to call it. Each team would play every team in the conference on a much more regular basis. For example, in eleven seasons, the A and M has been in the SEC. They have only played a single time. That was twenty nineteen in Athens, and Georgia has not once gone to College Station for a football game, which is wild to think about, considering other Eastern opponents like Florida have been twice. Yeah. And that's just the result of the SEC not knowing how to schedule more than two years ahead of time. Correct. And not having a pattern for this like we all thought they did. Correct. I believe we've also played Mississippi State three times since the last time we played Ole Miss. um, We last played Ole Miss in 16, Mississippi State 17, 20, and 22. COVID year. I was about to say, COVID COVID kind of messed that up, but yes. (laughs) No, you are you are correct on that. Uh, all three of them been... were all three of them are in Athens too. Well, no, that's not true. This year was Starkville. Two in a row were in Athens. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot that Ole Miss last game was 2016 until this season, yes. which I'm trying to uh 
behind the scenes, I'm trying to get something cool set up for our group for that game. So I'm not I'm not buying everybody tickets. Don't get me wrong right. there, <laughs> but like something something pregame cool to do for anybody that's able to come up to Athens for that game. Um, but so this seven and one method would. What's cool about it, it has the potential to start new rivalries because you're going to be playing every team every three to four years. So if, you know, two times in four years, Georgia and, I don't know, let's say Oklahoma have very good games, like that could go into the future. But it would also give fans an opportunity to go to different campuses more often because the last time Georgia went to Starkville before this past season was 2011, mm-hmm. which is a little ridiculous. And I mean, Starkville's like three bars, if that, but <laughs> still a trip I want to make. Yeah. I mean, the, the atmosphere there is unreal. I, I, I'd like to make it out there too. I didn't get to this past year, but. Oh, I would spray paint a cowbell bright red and just be as obnoxious as absolutely possible. It's the one place you can't do it at Sanford. You got to do it where you can do it. Oh yeah. So in this, so the seven and one method would also create more parity or equality throughout the division or throughout the conference because there's no divisions, and the two best records overall would make it to the title game. So the whole argument of the East is weaker than the West. I mean, up until this last season, of course. Um, I mean, that, that would just go away. There would just be, it would be school on school. Best of the best would make it year in, year out. And that sometimes that would be, you know, a LSU Alabama SEC championship game. And sometimes that like this past season, it'd be a Georgia Tennessee SEC championship game. But hold on, I'm taking a drink. Yeah, you take that drink. (laughs) So the cons, to me at least, outweigh the pros in the 7-1 scenario. And I say that because you would lose a lot of long-standing rivalries that have spanned decades and in some instances literally over the course of three centuries now. Not 300 years, but starting in the 1800s and still going today. Um And with the Georgia-Florida contract in Jacksonville, bringing it back to Georgia specifically, I would assume that would be Georgia's one rival, which is, I mean, that's obviously the biggest rival, but Georgia-Auburn's been going on since the 1800s, and that would be every three or four years instead of every year. Yeah, so is it, are you going to look at every one of these rivalries the same and say, okay, is it just each team's oldest, or are you going to have to figure out subjectively you know, which one is the big one for each team. And then it's not going to be the same for each team. You know, yeah. Tennessee and Auburn both think Alabama is their biggest rival. Which Correct. one do you give it to? Yeah. I mean, I, next line here, Tennessee, Alabama would probably be gone. Mm-hmm. LSU, Arkansas, which is a very underrated rivalry, probably Absolutely. gone. And I then do. you've – go ahead. I was just going to say national championships have been – either stolen or in 2007, almost stolen from LSU in that game. Yeah. I mean, this past year it was a 13-10 victory for LSU. And if L- if Arkansas had been offensively competent in that game, 
who who knows who made the SEC championship game at that point. Right. And, you know, we've got plenty of teams in the SEC that don't have, like, hardcore rivalries, at least that are reciprocated, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, so they would have manufactured rivalries at that point. I mean, teams, South Carolina, they they have plenty of football teams they hate, but nobody really hates them. Yeah, what would you do? The Battle of Columbia for them? Does that feel on the same tier as some of these other rivalries? I mean, Kentucky, who's their football rival? They don't really have an SEC football rival. Mm-hmm. Missouri, A&M. And I say A&M because the SEC would at that point have to choose between what's more important, Texas versus Texas A&M or Texas versus Oklahoma. And I would argue Texas versus Oklahoma is a much bigger rivalry every year. Absolutely. We've gone this long without the other one. Why, you know, Yeah, try to force it in there. And uh, so that's kind of that's kind of what the extent of our discussion on the seven and one, mainly because I hate it so much yeah. that uh, I don't have very many good things to say about it. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, oh, gosh, I didn't even know until I read this outline that that was even being floated. And it's just how do you in a, in a conference where. You've got teams like Georgia's got five or six, well, four or five teams in the conference that you could say, okay, this is a traditional rivalry they have going with this school that you've got to make sure they can get together pretty often. And you're going to limit it to one. Yeah. And the other, like I said, the other teams they'll play every, I mean, at this point it would be every three years. Mm -hmm. They would play the other teams every three. I don't want to go three years without seeing Georgia Auburn play a football game. Yeah. I. Once again, it's very selfish. I'm sure there's some teams that would love a seven and one, but if you're trying to take away the Deep South's oldest rivalry or the world's outlaw- largest outdoor cocktail party or Georgia, Tennessee, which has gotten to be very heated mainly because the Tennessee fans are assholes, it's it, it's no longer the SEC without those things. Yeah, I agree 100%. <laughs> so the six and three method. Also has its own sets of drawbacks that may outweigh the seven and one method. And so the pros that I've got listed out for the six and three are you keep rivalries alive. Like just for example, mm-hmm. I truly think that if Georgia had three permanent rivals, it would be Florida, Auburn, Tennessee. Yeah. I would swap Tennessee with Carolina just because I don't think they'd give Tennessee and Auburn both Alabama and Georgia. That's but fair. Regardless, either way, I could I could take either. That's fair. I also hate South Carolina mainly because I live there. Decent enough. I live five minutes from there. So <laughs> no, I lived in Columbia. It was oh awful. no, right in Satan's armpit. I'm so sorry. Yeah, the AC in our car went out when we lived there too in the summer. It wow. was it was pretty I, miserable. Goodness. But you also, with the six and three, you do get to travel to more campuses, like I said, because there's no divisions. So uh, six rotating opponents every single year, you're probably not going to play the same team in back-to-back years with those six. Yeah. Um, one thing that I have seen, I don't remember who did the math on this. So if you happen to be listening and want to just roast me in the comments for not crediting, you go ahead. Um, but essentially with the six, three, 
through a four-year college career, you would have played at every other SEC stadium. Unless like you're playing Florida and Jacksonville. But besides things like that, you're in every other yeah. SEC stadium in a four-year career, which is still pretty good. Yeah, I mean, that would be an awesome experience for the players. And if you're a fan that, you know, has the resources to go to every away game, that would be awesome. Um, but I th- so this next pro is for pretty much all of the uh, of the methods except for going to two divisions. You get more quality home games for season ticket holders because if you have nine conference games, like this, the 2023 season, we've talked about it multiple times on the show, the first four home games, which are all back-to-back, it's UT Martin, Ball State, South Carolina, UAB. Like, none of those are right home about it, make sure I get to the stadium, like, buy tickets if I don't already have them. Like, none of those are those kind of games. Yeah, South Carolina's in. I'll show up and get loud because it's South Carolina, but it's, you know not one that I'm crossing off my list every year. Like I need to save up money and pick up these tickets. But I will say South Carolina, for whatever reason, is the annual hype train that gets going in July and August. So as long as they can win their first two games, it'll be a night game, which is very much appreciated in September. Oh yeah. Yeah. You give us sandstorm and we'll give you lighten up Sanford in the fourth quarter and see how Beamer ball deals with that. <laughs> he didn't do so well last time they played in Athens. Yes. Time before that, I was there. It went a little better for him, but he wasn't the coach yet. So I guess it doesn't matter. I was also there. I was sitting in the uh, family section of all the players, mm. which was, sure. it was very tough because I wanted to yell and cuss and ask what these kids were doing. And I looked down and, you know, the offensive lineman that just got roasted by a three or a two or a three star defensive lineman, their parents are sitting right below me, and dad's bigger than the kid is. And I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna shut up, I'm yeah. not gonna say yeah. a word. Yeah, fun fact until the Samford game this year, that was the last Georgia football game I had gone to. Oh, like for, for almost three years, that was my last memory of Sanford Stadium was walking out of that stadium feeling that way after that game. And it was so hot. It was miserably hot. Yeah, it was. Like, my, my wife and I just walked to Raising Canes in silence. It was. And then the Raising Canes was full of South Carolina fans who had left early for some reason. So They're South Carolina reason. fans. That's like, fair. There's only three quarters in football, right? <laughs> so, the cons for the six and three are significant though and here's where i'm going to talk about how awful a nine game conference schedule is only a single team with a nine game conference schedule has won the national championship in the playoff era and it has now been eight years that was ohio state in 2014 they had a nine game conference schedule one in the playoffs Only four teams with a nine-game conference schedule have ever even made the national championship game through the playoff era. Oregon and Ohio Ohio State. And then Ohio State. And then TCU, because the Big 12 plays a nine-game conference schedule. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. I didn't think about TCU. So, I mean, four teams out of a lot. I mean – we're in 
we were in the eighth year, so there have been 32 teams to make the playoff. Only four teams with a conference schedule have made the championship game. Now, I will say, I will say just to not to downplay the point that you're making, because I think it is an important point. The grind being tougher is always going to have an impact on your overall performance at the end of the season. Um, SEC dominance had a lot to do with a lot of those teams not winning their championship games. Um, Correct. So the the uh, the effect may not be exactly the same, but you're right. I think just the grind itself will probably eliminate more teams from that playoff. Or again, it's different with the 12 team playoff, so it's hard to say. But adding to that tough grind, plus you're getting an extra game or two in the postseason, it's going to make it a lot harder for these teams to get back there and keep winning and keep winning once the season's done. Yeah. And so if they move to a nine game conference schedule, the team that wins the national championship would have played nine sec teams. will have played probably another power five school in non-conference play. If it's a team like Georgia, you know, they're going to look for that competition. Yes. Another sec team in the sec title game. And then three games in the playoff, potentially. Yeah. Or even up to four. Yeah. Like, I, I, the it, the increased risk of injury due to the physicality of the SEC, I think, should not be understated. Hmm. Think about all of the teams. I mean, Tennessee with Hendon Hooker late in the season, a non-contact ACL tear because of how beaten up he had gotten throughout the season. Like it is a grind to make it through the full season, especially when you're playing a lot of close games, especially when you're playing all four quarters all the time. And if you add another conference game to that and to make it to the national championship game, you add four or five games on top of that all against power five competition. Like that, if, if, as if a recruit is down to, you know, let's just say Florida state Clemson and sec team, I would not, be upset with a kid for saying, I'm going to go play in a conference where I'm not going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you think about it for these kids, like you can call it selfish all you want, but you know, some injuries you're back after a few weeks, some injuries you are never back again. And all these kids yeah. want to do is play football. You know, you can't fault them for trying to put themselves into a safer situation. Um, as exciting, and some conferences are already doing this, the you know nine game schedule, and people are still attending. I'm not, no, neither of us are saying we're going to lose all of our recruits, but it is a factor to take into account when we're talking about just how realistic and how good for the conference and good for college football would this system be. Um, and so I think with all of that, I think if you're talking about the six three, I think so far, I mean obviously comparing it to the seven one, but with a lot of what's been floated around. There are a lot more pros than a lot of what I've seen and a lot more cons uh, to what I've seen. You're really, it's a really explosive one, no matter which way you're looking at it. I'm personally not a huge fan of the free for all, but we're going to get into what I like the most here in a little bit, but we're going to talk next about the most unlikely format um, that the conference will use moving forward, but I think it's still kind of a fun conversation. And this is the two mega divisions. We're talking eight teams in each division. That's yeah. 
it would still lead to a nine game conference schedule. So that's, you know, another con added to it. But there are other cons like you have the drawback of the current scheduling format and the lack of diversity in opponents. Because if you if seven of your games are decided before the season even or before they even talk about scheduling, you know, you got two games to pick up, which, you know, for teams like Georgia, that's always Auburn, Alabama, always TCU, Florida, always LSU. So you have one game rotating. You'll play every other SEC team once every decade. Yeah. Because you're always going to have one cross-division rival that's just got to stay. You're always going to have, yeah, it's <laughs> the, the most boring option you can go with. It's the one they went with in 2012, though. Just slapping teams into the different divisions. Yeah, because Missouri is definitely in the East. Mm-hmm, of course. The second most West half team in the conference. <laughs> Is in the East, and that's one thing that worries me. Before we get into what you think the breakdown would likely look at look like, that's what worries me is they're going to put Texas in the West, Oklahoma in the East, and call it a day. That I don't, I highly doubt Greg Sankey would do that. I, he I seems way too intelligent to just say, "Oh yeah, we're good," because so in 2012 that decision was made by the previous commissioner, right? right. So I think even if 2012 happened with Greg Sankey in control, I don't think it happens the same way. Mm -hmm. Just a fun hypothetical. Who do you move to the East if Missouri goes to the West in 2012? You would have to say one of the Alabama schools, Mm -hmm. because if you want to do it geographically, um, but I mean, we're actually going to get to it in a minute who I would currently move to the East. And throw Missouri and one of the new or both of the new teams in the West, because I just if it's not going to be geographical, call it something else. Mm. I, that just doesn't I, make sense to me. Yeah, which I will get to once you have gotten to yours. But <laughs> I'm excited to hear your thoughts. So if I were to design two divisions, and obviously I'm not because no one really cares about my opinion, but if I were. If if Greg Sankey called me up and said, hey, big dog, what's your thoughts? This is what I would tell him on two divisions. So the East, kind of unchanged. Kentucky, Vandy, Tennessee, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida. The two changes. Auburn to the East. Because, I mean, Auburn's like 30 minutes from the Georgia line, so it makes more sense. And then the kicker. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but there's a reason behind it. I I would put Ole Miss in the East, and I will get to my explanation in a second. <laughs> so for the West, I would do Missouri, Arkansas, Alabama, Mississippi State, A&M, LSU, and both Texas and Oklahoma, mainly because you guarantee the Red River rivalry every year. Mm-hmm. But so the the one geographic thing that does not make sense with Ole, Ole Miss is I don't think it would be in the best interest, interest of the conference to put Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, and Florida in the same division. Because 
Georgia and Alabama, obviously, over the last few years, have been the best two teams in college football. Tennessee is on its way up. And then, you know, Florida has the potential to regain being a powerhouse. Mm-hmm. And they don't want four, as much as it hurts to say, playoff contending teams beating the shit out of each other. As yeah. I made this, I made this com- comment way back in like July or August about the Big Twelve. You have so many teams with so much potential, but because of the way they schedule things, doing the round robin, they beat each other out of playoff contention every yeah. year. And now your champions, ten and three. Yeah, I mean that quite literally. Oklahoma State, if they would have won the twenty twenty one Big Twelve championship, makes the playoffs, and they lost to Baylor by one yard. I, so yeah, I know. I think I think that they would have to do something different, even if they went like a north south format, just trying to break up like the the powerhouse teams. And it just I, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, because you know who has that exact problem of being too top-heavy in one division? Big Ten. Big Ten. And here's the thing. Big Ten had something good going. You remember, they didn't, since they split into divisions, they weren't always East and West. But because of some really bad PR, their decent idea didn't really get a chance to breathe and prove how good it was. Good old leaders and legends. Leaders, exactly. Leaders of terrible names. Leaders and legends is a terrible two names for division. But the point was, okay, we're just going to try to set up two divisions that have some parity to go play each other and then sit there. So like it, these divisions, as much as we like them to be de- geographical because it's nice and neat and it saves money on travel and everything like that. North-South doesn't really make sense when your conference looks like this. Yeah. And then East-West, like you said, you're going to put every team that has been in the national championship from this conference, except LSU in the last decade, over on one side and everyone else on the other side. If you set up, name them whatever you want, except leaders and legends, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) And just stack them up. South and East. (laughs) I mean, there's been stupider names out there. Why not? And you, you know, you can put, you know, Oklahoma, Alabama, uh, Texas, and Tennessee on one side, and then you get Georgia and Florida and Auburn and, you know, name LSU. whatever else you want to. LSU on the other side, sure. And then wouldn't have to be those exact teams, but you'd have a little more balance, and it's not just about, oh, let's split it down the middle and see what happens. Yeah, so I do think that a big reason of why they geographically align conferences is travel for the, I don't know another way to put it, the non-profitable sports. And by that, I I mean like your baseball, your track and field, your swimming. Like if you had Georgia and Oklahoma playing in a baseball game, that's a ton of travel costs for not – Baseball struggles to break even a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So it would I – I think that's the biggest reason why they do geographically is because you went Georgia, South Carolina. You can get on a bus at breakfast and be there by lunch. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
That's true. Just I don't remember if baseball does divisions. I guess they do. I I know basketball doesn't really care about divisions. I know they double up on some division opponents that are close by. Um, but yeah, that's that's something I hadn't thought about. That's that's why I need you here because <laughs> but football is the only sport in my brain. <laughs> I mean, just think about equestrian meets. Like I know borderline no one cares about it. Yeah. But the cost of people and horses getting across the country at this point. Cause I mean, like we're planning a road trip to Austin here in a few months and it's an 18 hour drive from Savannah to Austin. Imagine Gainesville to Oklahoma hmm. yeah, with they're... trailers of horses, you know? Yeah. Well, the equestrian kids all have rich parents. They <laughs> just kidding. Well, I, I do know someone who is on the equestrian team at Georgia and that statement was correct. <laughs> fair enough um so yeah may, maybe not exactly like that but i, I think but i mean if you get away with divisions and other sports because they have so many more games you could do you know parody in divisions and call it i don't know a and b or something whatever but yeah. or a and whatever. one because you don't want to make anybody feel lesser yeah well i mean Whatever they do, they just need to make sure. I mean, some boards just have different conferences for different sports. Whatever it is, though, it's just got to make sure it makes sense and isn't top-loading one division. But ultimately, gosh, 16 teams is just too many for splitting it into two, isn't it? I think so. Unless, I mean, unless they start adding more games to the regular season or, you know, rotating your divisional opponents – I just I think it's too much for one because you know at some point I want to say someone on the SEC network even floated out the idea of having like semifinal games for the SEC championship. Yeah, talk just about that so end. <laughs> yeah, like you don't know who your opponent's gonna be until the week before and it's the second biggest game of the season for you. Mm -hmm. I would be okay with doing that. If we created another, you know, we have FCS and we have FBS, we just add SEC at the top <laughs> and it's just its own thing that's better than everybody else. And it gets, its, you know, it gets the big trophy and then everyone else plays for their little trophies. Other than All right, that, Josh not... <laughs> Other than that, we are not getting an SEC playoff. Yeah, for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, Josh Heupel was on, I think it was like a Barstool podcast or something for some reason, and they asked what his ideal playoff format would be, and he said just the four best teams from the SEC. The SEC. <laughs> and, you know, you know, he's not entirely wrong. Ah! <laughs> well, the best team from the Big Ten was one point worse than Georgia. <laughs> And Tennessee was two possessions worse than Georgia after Georgia didn't throw a forward pass with a, after eight minutes left in the third quarter. Yeah, but the thing about Ohio State is something, something injured receivers. That's how we do this, right? When we want to make excuses. We just... Oh, I thought Bama did it first. Yeah, that's who I'm trying to learn from. Well, don't learn too much. You'll end up cooking crystal meth in the bathtub. Yeah, uh, cousin's looking real. Just kidding. So what's funny is I actually – I used to be friends with a guy that was a chemistry major at Alabama. 
And in his chemistry class, they taught them the chemical compounds of crystal meth. And that is not a joke. That is not me talking shit. This actually happened. Wow. It's one of the professors like trying to find a gifted student to start a side hustle. I mean, it was a TA. It was a TA. Ah, only a TA. Yeah, that checks out actually. <laughs> like, how the how the hell do you think I afford this doctorate program? <laughs> oh man, I've been sick too recently to be laughing that hard, as you can tell. When that came up in conversation, he just passed over it, and I was like, "Wait, hold up." Yeah, we got to talk stop about right that. there and say that again. And he was like, yeah, I mean, he even like went through the steps up to a certain point and then wouldn't go any further because they didn't want anybody doing it. I was like, I started to begin with. Right. And then I just, I don't know. I don't oh, know. Man. Alabama. Yeah. What a beautiful state. Without it, Georgia wouldn't look classy. <laughs> we still have Mississippi. That's true. And Florida and oh, yeah, South Carolina and Tennessee. Yeah, and most of Kentucky. Kentucky is beautiful, but I, um, I I lived there for a year too, and there's some wild people and wild shit going on in Kentucky, as I have heard as well. But you know, you get all the beautiful mountains and stuff too. So, and be a good place to live by yourself. All right, guys. So this is the last format we're talking about tonight and it is my personal favorite of the potential formats and while the sec was reportedly leaning to no divisions i really really hope they go this way yeah and this is the pod system so this is actually you know a good idea from the sec network they and so what this is it's four pods which are essentially small divisions of four teams that are geographically aligned. And so with that, there would be three permanent opponents, which are the other teams in your pod. Then you play two teams from each other pod. This would be a nine-game conference schedule, but what you would do is you would have one permanent opponent from each other pod, and then the other three would rotate, which I think it's nice because you you keep rivalries you have permanent opponents outside of your specific pod, but you also get to play every team every three years. Mm-hmm. So the best of, of all we were talking about, you get your three rivals, you get your outside rivals, so you, it, it, it just gives you the potential to keep more while, without sacrificing too much of the fun of going and seeing everything and going to every other campus. You at least get to play everybody way more often yes. than you do now. The the biggest drawback on this one is you still have that nine-game conference schedule. Yeah. But I, in my opinion, this brings in the pros from everything with very few cons, mm-hmm. like the nine-game conference schedule. <clears throat> and to me, that's about it. Like, I, there could be some stuff that I'm missing, and feel free to tell me if I am, but... Like that seems to be the biggest and really the only drawback of this potential format. Yeah, no, I agree. The, on- the only other thing I can come up with is just 
having to figure out which teams still go to the SEC championship game when there's four leaders or champions. But, you know, you could go a number of ways. You could just do two best teams or you could do the two pod champions with the best records. Um, you could take the SEC network's dumb idea into a playoff, but let's not do that. Uh, but there are, are multiple avenues you could go, and other than doing a playoff, none of them are really bad um, because you get the – you always get some of the opponents that stay the same every year, even if you just do the teams with the two best records. Your chances of getting a rematch from the season are still relatively low in the championship game, and I know SEC, for television's sake, loves doing that. Um, plus, I just like to see fresh matchups in the SEC championship game. It's fun getting to see a different opponent you didn't expect to get. Um, so I'm with you. The nine-game conference schedule is about the only thing I can see that would push it down for me. So I did have an idea in here about a tiebreaker, and it must have not transferred. Um, but so you it, say you have three teams – that all are, you know, let's just say eight and one in conference. And then you would take the team, the two teams with the highest opponent win percentage. So like if one team has won eight games, but most of the teams they beat had losing records, like that team's out. If the other two teams played mostly teams with winning records. Quality of opponent kind of, yeah. kind of thing. Because, I mean, as we've seen through previous years, being, you know, 12-0 and 0 in an inferior conference doesn't mean you're a good team. Yep. And I think, too, that makes a lot more sense and is a lot more objective than what I've seen some other conferences do. I remember one year, there was a three-way tie in the Big 12. Um, I believe it was Texas, Oklahoma, and Baylor. All had the same record. They had all beaten each other, so they just went with their BCS ranking to determine which of them was going to the Big 12 championship game. Let me guess, it wasn't Baylor. Uh, no, surprisingly. Really? <laughs> I say the Big 12 is typically like, oh. Wait, who makes the most money? <laughs> I, I can't, I mean, when you're talking, now. <laughs> when you're talking tens of millions of dollars, you can't really be too mad about it, but. Right. Yeah. One thing I have, you know, just a, not to get us on another tangent, but Texas and Oklahoma, to me, my whole life, have kind of been the identity of the Big 12. Not that there aren't other good teams that pop in there, but, man, what are they going to do <laughs> long term? Man, like, they, they're about to have the 2017 national champions in there. Uh, that, yeah. The Central they, Florida Golden Knights, man. Oh, yeah. I remember uh, – I'm so glad that they don't also have the 2020 national champions in there because Georgia made sure to put a stop to them in the Peach Bowl that year. I know they would have done it. They definitely I, don't have the 2022 October champions in there because Tennessee's still in the SEC. Oh, yeah, that's true. Again, can't forget that uh, first college football playoff standing number one. They'll never, never take that away from you guys. Let's just remember never, four days you, know, you were the number one team in the country. I was about to say, you know, sometimes, you know, 96 hours can make somebody's whole life. That's that's exactly right. Nobody can ever take them away from you. Slow clap. Oh, you just clap more times than they scored points against Georgia. 
Oh. Tennessee right. fans, if you're wondering when we'll stop making fun of your team, um, it's when you develop into decent human beings. Oh, yeah. Plenty of times on the show, I have said I do not – like there are some players on Tennessee's team that I don't like, and I think the coach is a little bit too much sometimes. But I don't hate the team. Yeah. I hate them. That's exactly right. They're the reason the team is so fun to make fun of. When when the week leading up to the Tennessee-Georgia game, a Tennessee fan legitimately and seriously told me that Tennessee would put 50-plus on Georgia, I was like, oh, there's meth in the water. Yeah. You guys are going to just get your hearts ripped out and stomped on, aren't you? That's all I could think. But, you know, it wasn't a big deal. It's not like Georgia Stadium gets that loud anyway. Yeah. Eric Ainge told me that one time. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's never wrong about anything. So Back to the pods. <laughs> so for my ideal pod system, and I'll explain a little bit more at the end. Um, so we got the North or Mountain folks: uh, Tennessee, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, and Missouri. We've got the South or inbreds: Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Alabama, and LSU. The East, which is back to back in the other three Georgia, South Carolina, Auburn, and Florida. The West, which is the not really Southern or Eastern Oklahoma, AM, Texas, and Arkansas. You know, I had my own in mind, and then I saw yours, and I said, Yours were better. <laughs> the, the, the only differences was I had Kentucky in the East, I had Auburn in the South. I had LSU in the West, and then I had Arkansas in the North. But I like the Southwestern Conference reunion there. And we could honestly just call it that. That's a good one. Yeah. It's a good one. Be like, we were good a century ago. Yeah. Alternate for uh, not really Southern or Eastern, a.k.a. Southwest, (laughs) a.k.a. we were good a century ago. Yep. Arkansas versus Texas A&M redubbed the 1920 Classic. <laughs> Jerry West's favorite game of the year where he's happy for about 10 minutes, and yeah. then he has to go back to owning the Cowboys. <laughs> hey, the Cowboys ended Tom Brady's career, you know. That is, you know, a, a technically factual statement. That is, that is certainly <laughs> what that is. All right, so... Some of those pods are more lopsided than others. I 100% agree with that. I mean, the East having Georgia, Auburn, Florida, the West, Oklahoma, Texas, A&M, I get it. I do. But Tennessee wins the North forever. (laughs) But Hey, Vandy had a three-year win streak against Tennessee a couple years ago. They sure did. And Missouri has won the East more recently than Tennessee. And Kentucky, you know, you're not wrong. Retraction. (laughs) All of these are factual statements. (laughs) How you interpret them is strictly up to you. (laughs) It's not saying that's what's going to happen in the future, just what has happened in the past. It has happened. So with some of these pods being lopsided, 
what I did for this, because, you know, this is the one I like the most. This is one I hope they go with the most. I did a little bit more of a deep dive on this one. Each one of those pods would have one great football program, one great basketball program, one great baseball program, one great softball program, one great women's basketball program, and at least one great academic school. Like that would be the most even distribution among all popular sports, among academics, everything that, in my opinion, would be the most even way to do it. Yeah, so forgive my little daughter there jumping in. I think she agrees. Uh, but yeah, that's all I needed to hear. You've, you know, yeah, I'm right. You've, you have absolutely done your homework, Mr. Picker. I think anybody listening should immediately write a letter to Mr. Sankey and say, This guy has already figured out why are you guys still sitting in board meetings trying to <laughs> discuss this? You've got it all together. Yeah, I mean. I, I truly think that the West would be the most interesting on an annual yeah. basis. Um, but I mean, they've all, they've all got potential to be very good, very entertaining. And, you know, just from the Georgia perspective, I'm assuming, you know, if we were, if we were to pick out one team from each pod that we had to play on a regular basis, Tennessee, um, let's see. Oh, that would be hard out of the South. I yeah. would personally like to see LSU or Ole Miss just because oh, they yeah. have the more interesting fans. That That's true. I like just, I, I feel like it's easier to brand the Battle of the Bulldogs, but Ole Miss would be fun, wouldn't it? And for the West, that would be tough. Because the last time Georgia-Texas played, that was a good game. Last time Georgia Oklahoma game that played that was a historic game, um, and I mean A and M that was a miserable rain game. And Arkansas, if Arkansas can get better, like they show the potential to be better, that would be a fun rivalry to start. You're muted. My daughter got a hold of my keyboard before I could turn it off, so I guess she muted me. <laughs> but yeah, no, you can't. You genuinely can't go wrong with any of those choices for a yearly opponent for Georgia at all. Um, and so, even if you could say, well, you know, they're not gonna have a rival from each of them. Yeah, who cares? Uh, Missouri and Arkansas isn't a rivalry game, but they've been playing it every year, and it's usually a fun game. Uh, it is. I keep thinking about Missouri games. Missouri, South Carolina. It's not one that you're gonna, you know, put on college game day at any point. But those are typically fun games, and you know, decide who's the middest in the SEC East. It's a fun battle. Um, these things develop over time. When Texas A&M first joined the conference, you know. People were wondering how they were going to fit in, but they've had great games against Alabama. They've had great games against LSU. They've had some great games with Arkansas that have gone back and forth. That's become quite the rivalry. You know, these things will develop over time as you put these teams against each other. Um, so do I like Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC and making us have these conversations as fun as they can be sometimes and 
completely stretching out what a conference is supposed to be. Not necessarily. But do I think it's going to be the end of the SEC or, you know, disastrous for college football? No, I think this is still the greatest sport in the world. I still think it'll be years before Oklahoma or A&M even compete for a chance to go to the SEC championship game. Sure. I mean, anytime either of those – Texas beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl a few years ago. Georgia didn't want to be there. No. They were they were I, a, a month away from having the national championship ripped out from under them by Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Like Georgia didn't give a shit about Texas. No. And Kirby even said he made coaching mistakes leading up to that game by bringing players that opted out and this, that, and the other. So I I think that would be a good game. I would love to see Georgia play A&M more just because seeing Jimbo's face after, after uh, like, especially if they play, let's just say they play in 2024 with a new system and Smoke Bowie has a pick six after he left A&M. Like, mm-hmm. that would just make my heart so happy. Oh, yeah. You know, but don't you know, you know, the reason that – uh the reason that Kirby took so long to win a national championship is just because, but then finally got one is because, you know, it's just five-star talent. You don't need to be a good coach. If you have all the five-star players, because you're just guaranteed to win all your games and win a national championship. If you've got all the five stars, that's never yeah, ask, not worked uh, before. Ask Ohio state. They had a number one class more recently than Georgia. Yeah. You know, ask good old Jimbo Fisher, uh, five-star <laughs> talent never fails. Especially when oil money pays them. Oh, of course. When yeah, when they're just coming for the money, you know they're going to play their heart out for you. You just know it. And then and then you bench a guy for a couple games because he wore the wrong color gloves. <laughs> I need to look this story up. I haven't seen this. Oh, Moose Muhammad, um, the guy that made like two or three phenomenal catches against LSU to have them win that game was benched. For the Alabama game because he wore the wrong colored gloves. Dude, that game was close too. That might have made a difference. Yeah. If you yeah. know, if you had someone other than Evan Stewart that was capable of catching a football, they might have won that game. Yeah. Wow. Jimbo Fisher, man. I was trying to think. Why did we think he was a good coach again? Oh, yeah, because he won a national championship with Bobby Bowden's leftovers. Oh, Jameis Winston was a Jimbo recruit. He was. You're right. You're right. That's not fair. And he's the one who won it. <laughs> yeah, you know, Mr. Crablegs, just, uh, you know, I, that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> yeah, probably best. <laughs> all right, guys. Unless Caleb's got anything else, I think we're going to close this one out here. Yeah, I just wanted to um, congratulate you. I'm sure it's been brought up before, but it hasn't been brought up by me. So, just want to congratulate you on the fact that Georgia is 15-0 and with a national championship and an SEC championship and a Peach Bowl championship since the beginning of the Nothing Finer podcast. So I'm just going to give you all the credit for that. Uh, and hopefully that it has just not continues. been brought up to me, and I've honestly never oh. thought about it before, but I appreciate it. I will, <laughs> I, I, once again, call Greg Sankey and let him know it's all my fault. Yes. <laughs> Just do that in life in general. Call your loved ones and tell them. It's all Mr. Pickers' fault. fault. It's my fault. All right. We say it every week. We're going to say it again. Follow the Instagram, nothing.finer.pod. 
follow Caleb's Instagram. What is it again? At Dog Sports Memes and Dog spelled the way it's supposed to be, D A W G. Twitter is at Finer Pod. Just look us up on Facebook if you enjoy the Facebook group. We actually have gotten to talk about a lot of different sports, not just football, over the last few weeks. Um, you know, we're all depressed over the basketball team right now because they are playing better, but they continue to give us hope, which is <laughs> depressing. Yeah. Um, I, I, I posted this morning that they're one win away from a winning season. And I regretted it as soon as I posted it because like there's winnable games, but that's exactly the problem. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, you've got players late in the season that are going all out. Bridges, can't remember his first name, but that game against Ole Miss last week, he put up a stupid amount of points, more than he ever had in a single game before. Um, so there's potential. I mean, Mike White is doing things that the last coach, I can't even remember his name right now, uh, Tom Crean. Yeah, Tom Crean, Mr. I'm going to recreate the Undertaker AJ Styles meme with my recruits. Tom Green. Yeah. Tom Green needs to uh maybe maybe he'll go like work for Nick Saban or something for a year <laughs> yeah. and then realize there's more to life than three pointers and no defense. Just maybe. Just just maybe. You know, if 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 Lane Kiffin can be fixed under Nick Saban's staff, maybe. Just maybe. But Mike White, uh, this one season turnaround has been a phenomenal job. We're not going to go on about it right now because uh, I believe Caleb needs to go and hang out with his family for a little <laughs> bit. But YouTube, search Nothing Finder Podcast. Make sure it's got our logo. We are about to start putting these episodes back up on YouTube. So listen, follow there, subscribe to the channel, all that good stuff. Oh, nothingfinderpod.com get your merchandise we are we finally got the first few orders out it was all loose nut behind the wheel and the loose nut was me trying to figure out how to actually get this done but we do have that going um mike got his order this past week the shirts look good the koozies look good all that kind of stuff the mcconkey on his donkey shirt looks phenomenal i'll be taking another look at that thank you thank you that was um you're in the group chat. You know that was mm-hmm. a group design on how to get that done the best way. Um but yeah, guys, always remember there is nothing finer in the land than a drunk, obnoxious Georgia fan. Third and a mile, Duggan from the two will throw it all the way across the field. It's picked up by Bullardy. Bullard got it again. And Bennett to throw lobs it to the right corner there's McConkey. he got on his donkey and made a sliding catch in the right corner touchdown